Alright guys, welcome to another episode of ARWP, the All Real Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Eric Novak, and today we have a special guest. He is the Young Gun, Chandler Hopkins. Enjoy this video, I'll see you guys at the end. He is the real life Woody, the Young Gun. Chandler Hopkins, baby. How are you, man? I'm great, man. I'm great. Thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate it. You know... It's 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 time that we get more independent wrestlers to talk about what they're doing, what they're saying, and we just wanna we just want like a nice you know questionnaire kind of thing. We want we want to know what's up with you and and what journey you went through. Absolutely, man. I'm I'm here for it. Let's let's have at it and let's give these fans something to listen to. <laughs> awesome. All right. So let's start with the first question. And is uh, why you decided to become a wrestler in the first place? Um, I think like uh, most wrestlers, we all kind of started out watching it or being a fan ourselves. I think uh, most people in the business, they're like that as well. They just kind of started out as a fan. But uh, that's kind of how I got into it. Um, mine was a little different. I was grown, I was raised by a single mother, so a lot of my stuff was really like rated G. Like I couldn't watch a lot of things on TV. Uh, my mom really kind of sheltered me from all the, the violence and stuff. But once my uh, stepfather came around, whenever I was about 11, 12 years old, um, he actually started introducing me into wrestling. And one of the very first matches I watched was a, a stone cold rock match. And, uh, just from that second on, it, it was like captivating the way those two people told a story inside the ring. And at such a young age, I could understand that story. Um, and I could see them actually struggling to fight with each other back and forth. And it just captivated me. And it was like, from that moment, I was body slamming my brother on the trampoline. We were wrestling on the couches, jumping off the couches like they were top ropes. Um, and, and it was always something that was just like in the back of my head. I never really thought that I was actually going to be a wrestler. I never really had it in my uh, plan for life um, because I was a professional athlete in football. Um, I played college ball, played semi-pro ball. And then after about two years in semi-pro, I decided I was going to just hang it up and have a normal everyday life. And I sold cars for about four years until a buddy um, actually asked me to go to a wrestling show with him, um, which was WWE in Oklahoma City. And uh, I went and he started naming off a lot of the names and like where they came from and stuff. And I was like, yeah, I, I know. Like I, I, I've been watching since I was real young. And he's like, oh, man, you've never really talked about it. I was like. And at that point, wrestling wasn't very popular, so it wasn't something that you just like talked about with your friends. Um, so I was like, yeah, I don't really just talk about it a whole lot. And uh, we went to a um, show, an independent show the next day, and uh, it was uh, an IWR show in Oklahoma, and they were having wrestling tryouts that they introduced, or they announced at intermission. And whenever they announced that, the next day I kind of got on their webpage and was looking through stuff. And I decided to send in the application. And about five minutes later, I had an email back saying that they would like me to come down to their school. So um, at 27 years old, I gave up a great career. Um, I gave up a house. I gave up cars. I gave up friends. And I literally uplifted my life and I moved down to uh, southern Oklahoma and I started training. And here we are four, almost four years later in September of this year. It'll be four years. And, um, you know, I, I still think it was the best decision I made. It was very tough. It was a, a struggle at the very beginning, of course, because I literally gave everything up and had nothing um, to start this. And now here we are right at the four-year mark and things are just um things are taking off i'm getting a lot of opportunities i'm 
wrestling uh, more outside of Texas than I ever have. Um, I, I'm wrestling bigger names. Uh, I'm getting to travel to out-of-state promotions like uh, AAA from in Mexico. Um, I, I just have a lot more opportunity right now um, than I did then, but it's not because of just the time spent in, in wrestling. It's because I use that time wisely and I put in the work within that time. A lot of guys are like, I've been wrestling for 10, 15 years and I haven't got the opportunities that you have. Well, that tells me that you're not working hard enough. Um, in four years, I've had 472 matches. Uh, and the fourth year is not even done yet. <laughs> you have people that have been wrestling for 10, 15 years that don't even have 100 matches. Like, there's a big difference um, in where I'm at in my career and the reason I'm at in my where I'm at in my career versus the normal four four year guy who usually is still considered to be in uh, pre K because let's be honest, four years in this business is not a whole lot of time. Um, there's a there's a lot of uh, veteran prowess that you have to learn. There's a lot of um, just things in the ring that you learn as you go and on the fly that can't be taught. Um, and, and I've had an opportunity to learn a lot of that from a lot of big names that have bestowed their information and their knowledge onto me. So. I've been very blessed in four years to be where I'm at, but it wasn't anywhere short of the hard work that I put in for it. All right. Yeah, no, yeah, 100%. I've seen a lot of your matches, and we'll get to that later, but that is crazy. You know, a lot of wrestlers can say whatever they want, but it's all about how much effort and how much blood, sweat, energy you put in that ring. So let's talk about your first match, because it's usually not like it's your last match. So tell me how your first match was. Tell me about the gear you were wearing. Tell me about the, the gimmick you had. Or even like the, the mindset you had going into lacing up your boots and, and getting ready to wrestle for the first time in front of a live crowd. So my first match back was actually against one of my best friends. Um, and that's the Magnificent Malico. I don't know if you've seen any of his work, mm -hmm. but he's literally one of the top guys here in Texas and Oklahoma as well. And uh, my first 12 matches were against him. We told a 12-match story of him kidnapping me and thinking I was his long-lost son and wanting me to join and his, his cult and everything. Um, and, and that was my first match was with him, but it was a tag match against him and one of his, uh, his little Mad World overseers <laughs> that, was a, that played a dog. Um, and then it was me and the owner of that company at the time. And uh, we had a tag match. And honestly, the, the match went off very well um it was it went off how we planned it out to be it was definitely nerve-wracking because it, my first match was actually my first match back from breaking my wrist mm -hmm. i uh, broke my left wrist during training um and was out for about three months and as soon as i got back that's when i debuted that week later so um it was kind of nerve-wracking because i wasn't sure how the wrist was going to hold up um, but at the same time it's one of those things whenever you go through the curtain it's like a it's like a switch is just flipped um, we went from night to day right then and there, and I don't even know what took over me because I was nervous. Um, anyone that was in that locker room or in the hallway that I was literally walking up and down pacing, like I had that pacing nerve going because it was the first match. Um, I didn't know what to expect, and I was wrestling for the first time in, about, in front of about 100 people. So at that time, that was a lot of people for me, and I didn't know any other way to react except for whenever I came to the curtain, just explode. And I exploded, uh, started screaming, yelling, hooting and hollering. And, you know, I kept that same uh, intensity uh, going into the into the ring as well. And while I was wrestling and um, I didn't have like the greatest gear, I actually my gear that I had ordered uh, wasn't even in yet. 
Um, I got it two weeks later in my actual debut. So for my first two weeks, I just wore a pair of old tights that one of the guys had in the locker room for my first couple matches. Um, and, and that's, that's what I had to deal with because they didn't have my, my gear done. And, uh, the, the first gimmick, uh, my first character was, um, I called myself Chandler of the truth Hopkins. Um, and it was basically me and some biker shorts, um, and just a real fit, super indie guy. That's all I was. I was like an indie guy, but anything I could do, you could do better. And that was the truth. You know, that was, that was how I was. I was the truth. The second I stepped into the ring and, and there wasn't nobody that could tell me any different, but it wasn't a character that I was really happy with. It was kind of a character that I was almost forced into, mm-hmm. um, because I, I told everyone when I first started that I wanted to be a cowboy and everybody told me no, because it has already been done and it wouldn't work. But like the best characters are just a natural extension of mm-hmm. yourself. Yeah. And that's something that so many have told me. And the first person to tell, to tell me that was Chavo Grow Jr. And um, it was one of those things that once he told me that, I was like, all right, I'm going with the cowboy. Like, sorry, it doesn't matter what you tell me anymore. Like it's happening. Um, and like I just took the cowboy in a different direction though. Everyone was like, well, what are you going to do? You're not big enough to throw lariats. You're not big enough to be the powerhouse cowboy, like every other cowboy in history. But that was the point. Like I didn't want to be like every other cowboy in history and I'm not, I'm completely different. Um, yeah, I wear the cowboy hat out. Yeah. I wear a full Canadian denim size tuxedo all the way out. I wrestle in denim jeans. Like, People ask me all the time, how the hell do you do that? I still don't know. I just do it. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm but, uh, insanely a big fan of gear. Like, I feel like you want to go into a match looking like a million bucks because that's how much, you know, you see your, yourself as. You know, like, you won't go to a ring looking like an independent star. You want to go looking like you are the person that, you know, everyone's ready to see hard. you as. And we'll get to your gear also because you just has told me how back then you were you were wearing like someone else's you know tights and then you ordered some like shorts biker shorts but the gear that you have now is insane um i love it like i love everything with the kick pads with the belt and, and it's a custom that's a custom um yeah. those aren't just regular jeans those were like uh, jogger jeans type of thing right they're, they're custom stretch jogger jeans uh they actually are called moto bikers and they're literally skin tight jeans that have a little bit of flex in them to where i can move and and do any acrobats that i need to do so yeah, like like I said, that gear it's it's one of a kind and it's amazing and it does fit for your character. Like look like if you watch your matches or you see yourself come out, the cowboy look is exactly what you have. So it's a good thing that you didn't listen to what other people said and, and you are sticking with your character because we don't really have a cruiserweight cowboy. Like we don't have that. And I'm and I'm and you see yourself as a cruiserweight, right? You're more of a cruiserweight than a yeah. heavyweight. All I right. weigh, I fluctuate in weight anywhere from 190 to about 200 pounds, so I consider myself a cruiserweight. Yeah. Yeah, and the things that you do, like I watched your match with um Will Allday, beautiful match, in sync. You know what I'm talking about? The one where literally yeah. for the first part of the match, you guys had a whole Osprey and Ricochet moment where you guys literally bounced off each other amazing like like did you rehearse that with him at any point or was that just like following my lead it was one of those things like uh will and i we don't get to wrestle each other a whole lot but we have a lot of things in common like a lot of our footwork and thought process is very very similar and there's been times where i've wrestled him where we both had the exact same thought process at the same time and we go to do it and it just works out um, it, but it's crazy because not everything that Will and I have planned, um, 
like or not everything Will and I have done we've planned, but I think those are the best matches. Like yeah. um, myself and so many others. Like when I first started, it was plan A to Z. Like you plan the whole match because that's the way I was taught. It wasn't one of those things where I was taught like, hey, it's okay to throw this in here and and kind of ad lib a little bit throughout the throughout the match. You just don't have to go straight A through Z. You can throw some things in there. But once I figured that out and once I caught on to that aspect, um, things really just started connecting for me and like clicking. And it was just one of those things where I knew and I now I now know when I I can do certain things and when I shouldn't do certain things. <laughs> but that's just like trial and error. Um, that's just because I've been in so many matches against so many different people. And I, I take I take away from every single match and I try to tell people the same thing like every match you have, you should learn something from. Um, it doesn't matter how small or big it is. Like every single match you can learn something from. If you come back to me and tell me that you did every single thing in your match perfect, I'm going to call bullshit. Mm -hmm. Like I'm going to tell you, Hey, did you get your match recorded? And if you tell me, no, I'm going to say, cool, you need to record your matches because when you go back and record your matches, you see things that you do that you don't like versus whenever you're in the ring and it's just feeling natural. So there's a lot of things that you can do via tape um i've recorded every single one of my matches um up until like the past six months because everything's just been so crazy with covid um but like recording those matches and watching them over time and time again and finding like i would go so far sometimes as to looking into my match like i'm picking myself apart like i'm looking for this that little even if it was just like a hair step off on my footwork mm -hmm. that's the stuff i look for because that's the stuff the bigger companies look for. I don't want to stay on the indies forever. I don't want to stay here in Texas or in my surrounding areas forever. I want to travel the world. And I know if I want to travel the world, I have to treat this like an actual profession and a job like I want it to be. So that means going in and studying tape. That means going in and working on me, um, putting myself first in this business and then worrying about what comes afterwards because if I'm worrying about everybody else, they're going to leave me and I'm, I'm not going to be able to stick around with them. But if I put myself first and I continue working, now everybody's going to catch up to me and that's the way I'd rather have it. Yeah, it's an amazing mindset. That's an amazing way to think about it. And that's, and that's the mindset that drives you to always want to get further in the place than where you are now. And that's amazing. And I'm happy that you said that. I'm happy people are listening and, and also understanding because not a lot of wrestlers would say, I don't want to be here and I want to do this and want more for themselves. So it's amazing how you do want more for yourself and you believe you will get more for yourself. I think you will too. You actually, if I'm not wrong, your match was the first time I've ever seen this before. It was, a, I believe, a fatal four-way and it was a two out of three elimination match. Hey, Ryan. Me and Ryan Remington. No, 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 no. It was Fuego. It was uh, Ricky Starks. You and uh, there was one more person in there. You know what I'm talking about? Me, Fuego, and Rick. I don't. I don't think I've ever. I don't think me, Fuego, and Ricky Starks have ever been in one. Um, are you? Are you talking about? I was in one recently with Ricky Starks, but it had me, Ricky, Sammy Guevara, ASF, no. and I, Richie. I'm, I'm pretty sure I liked. Let me. I'm. I'm 100 sure. I saw this like months ago, and I liked it too. Let me. Let me just double check this. But um. Are you sure you never? I'm pretty sure it was you. No, I'm 100% sure it was you because you you got eliminated the first time 
And then you came back at the end, and at the end it was you and Ricky. Ricky oh, took you're his- talking about at you're talking about VIP. It was me, Ricky, Fuego, and Jerome Daniels. Yeah. And yeah, then at the end it was you and Ricky. At the end. At the end, it was you and Ricky. Like it was, it was a two out of three because you got eliminated in the beginning, but then you came back at the end. Fuego got eliminated, and then it was between you and Ricky at the end. Am I wrong, yeah, or am I so making this up? It, it was uh, no, you're 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 right. I remember it was because it was a weird match, and we were all trying to figure out how to really put it together because it was the first time we'd ever done it. Because the promoter wanted, so we went back to to Impact, and I don't, I don't remember what year it was or who was in it, but there was a match where. You came out it, like everyone was out ringside, which we were. Mm-hmm. But every every time a pinfall happened, the next person came in. But you only had two two lives. Yeah, so, I thought it was. I thought that was a elimination two out of three match. No, like you yeah, two. Yeah. All right, because that's the first you time. Pin, ever, if you got pinned twice, you were out. Yeah. Yeah, because that's the first time I've ever seen that, and I, and I'm was 100 percent sure you were part of it because you were there at the end with Ricky. And I was like, I'm yeah. I'm 100% sure that was you because you had the uh, you had the same gear. I that match. <laughs> well, that was a, that was a pretty that was a pretty amazing match. Like the way you could like, the way he speared you, you you know kicked out of that. Like it wasn't a wasn't a short like one two three match. It was a pretty decent classic. I enjoyed yeah. that a lot. It was and it was different. Um, it was different for us and it, it let us have like a little bit of a challenge as well because we were told it was just a normal four way elimination. And that was simple. We we had things for days for that but then when the promoter came up to us lou uh lou uh lou starrett is the promoter for vip whenever he came up to us and was like hey i have an idea for this four-way can y'all make it work and he told us he was like i want everyone to have two lives basically so if you get pinned twice you're out but once you get pinned you have to get out of the ring and whoever pins you stays in while the other person comes in Mm -hmm. so you're like okay cool so you don't want us all in there at the same time but we're all legal. And he was like, true, you can't get in the ring. You can do stuff from outside the ring should you need to, but you can't get in the ring until someone's pinned. And I was like, okay. So that, that made it a lot uh, more difficult for us because we, we had never done something like that. I don't think anyone has ever done anything like that. Like I've never seen anything like that until, unless it's on like a 2k video game where you create the match, but I've never seen an ever an actual event host, a two out of three elimination matches. That was unique. It, it was cool, and it definitely had its its uh, own little highlights there in the in the show. Um, and people enjoyed it. Um, it was just from a from a worker standpoint, um, kind of figuring that all out was a little different. Mm-hmm. But I think we did, I think we did well the, <laughs> with us four in there. I mean, that's that's four of the best guys in Texas um, getting to put on a, a great show just for just for that little group and a different type of um, match setting w- was really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, like I said, you know, I've never seen that. That's the first time ever. And the fact that you were there at the end of it, you know, at the main event final too, you know, that's, it's awesome to put on your resume that you did that too. Like not a lot of yeah. companies ever done that. Um, let's talk about like a good uh, back to the past kind of thing. Tell me the first. Tell me the least amount of people that ever were in your a match or like a venue, like live audience wise. Like the least amount of people and the most amount of people. So the least amount of people I've wrestled for was literally five people. There was five fans sitting in the in the in the seats, and that was it. Um, and, and that was probably two years into my my career. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was definitely like the promoter i worked for did not promote um and he even came back to the back before the show started was like hey i was planning on paying you guys off the house there's nobody here um 
we, we worked some things out and got some things taken care of, but I, I've worked in front of five people at the very least. And then I've worked in 20, in front of 20,000 plus in front of, um, uh, in, in Mexico for AAA, uh, down in Juarez. So, um, that, that's definitely the biggest crowd I've ever worked in front of, but, um, usually it's, it's anywhere from two to 500 that I'm usually getting to work in front of on a regular weekend basis. But, uh, on the high end, it would definitely be, uh, working for, uh, AAA and Juarez. Um, that, that stadium is just so big and it was, it was crowd, the crowd was almost deafening too. It's def, definitely a, a huge difference whenever you're coming out in front of two, 300, 400, maybe 500 people that that loud noise is is definitely crazy especially in a very closed environment but when you go into this huge stadium and there's 20,000 people all the way around you and you're just sitting there like walking down the ramp the littlest whisper you can hear because it echoes <laughs> like everything is just so much louder and when you're in the ring working it, it's different as well because it, it's you can't be as you can be more loud in front of those crowds, but you can't be as obvious because they pick you apart. Like they're zoned in on, oh, hey, he's talking. Oh, hey, he's telling him what to do. You know, things like that. So, um, but yeah, that, that's been probably the biggest and smallest. Awesome. All right. Well, now, like I said, I brought up a lot of matches. You had a lot of classics. You had an amazing, I believe there were two or three with Brian Cage. You had an amazing storyline with that. I, I really enjoyed that. Can you tell a couple people who are listening to this, uh, some of your matches that they should check out. Some things that you definitely want people to look at when they look up Chandler Hopkins. Um, so I have uh, a few matches that I consider like among my favorites. Um, my very first name that I ever wrestled was Chavo Jr. And that match to me was the 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 pinnacle of letting me know what I was capable of doing because when we wrestled. He literally told me, like, I shook, I seen him at the venue. I shook his hand. I let him know that I was excited about working him. He had already know, knew all my moveset because he had been working with us for about four or five weeks at that time, so he had been studying me. And uh, he asked for the match, so I didn't know. But when I got there, Chavo puts his matches together a completely different way. <laughs> um, I shook his hand, and I said, all right, what do you want to do? And he goes, ah, I'm going to call it out there. <laughs> uh so for me, that was very nerve wracking because that was my first cold call match with anybody and it was Chavo. So I knew if I did not perform at my, my absolute best, I was going to fail. And I do not like failing, like mm -hmm. especially when given an opportunity. So that match was definitely among my top uh, favorites for sure. Um, of course, both the matches with Brian Cage are awesome. I love wrestling that guy. Um, he's been he's become one of my best friends and mentors in the business as well. It seems like every show I go to now, he's on it. Um, mm -hmm. But a lot of that has to do with he he likes me. I don't know what I did, but everywhere he goes, he he gives the promoter my name, my number, and I, sometimes I get these random text messages. Hey, so and -so, Brian gave us your number. This is so and so. We'd like to talk. Um, and did that's he hook actually up like Warrior Wrestling for you. That's that's how he I got Warrior it, Wrestling. It, oh, really? It's wow. funny. I actually got Warrior Wrestling because of uh, Cage and uh, Lance Archer. Point. <laughs> um, those two guys, uh, they found out that I was going to the show and I was just going to go and watch. <laughs> and they messaged the promoter and told him that I was coming and that I had to be on the show. <laughs> <laughs> so the promoter said, okay. And then when I got there and wrestled, the promoter afterwards was like, okay, we're bringing you back. So, <laughs> um, 
both those two guys have been amazing in my career and, and helped me out and also fun to work with. I haven't got to work uh, Hoyt yet, but I work him in two weeks. And uh, we've been trying to have that match for about two years now, and it just keeps falling through and getting canceled. Um, but it's finally going to come to fruition, and I finally get to get slapped that giant man in the face <laughs> and see what happens. So, um, But, you know, another match of mine that I, I really enjoyed was my AR Fox match for mm-hmm. VIP, the same company that I watched, that you watched that uh, uh, fatal three-way with four, four of us, mm-hmm. or three, that's two out of three, whatever it was. <laughs> um, but, yeah, AR Fox um, – that I would say AR Fox was my second like actual big name that I knew I was going to have to work with. Like mm-hmm. I knew I was going to have to go and you know, he was so chill. And after we had that match, he put me over big. Um, he won. I, I was just sitting there chilling in the corner and he went and grabbed my cowboy hat that I leave on the post. I leave it on the post every match and he went and grabbed it. And I gave him that look like, yo, bro, don't, don't touch mm-hmm. my hat. Like, we're about to go again. Like, don't touch my hat. And I just kind of gave him that look, and I started to stand up. And he was like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. And you can see it in the video on the on my YouTube. If you go watch it, just type in Air Fox versus Chandler Hopkins. But at the end, you can see him like, hey, chill out, chill out. I just wanted to show you respect. And he, he puts the cowboy hat on my head and raises my arm. And um, I just thought it was a simple gesture, right? Uh, well, I get out of the ring and I, I go back to the back and he's already back there. He let me have the have the ring. We got this is awesome chance. It was it was amazing. And I get back to the back and he goes, why the fuck are you still in Texas? And I was like, <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I can't tell you. I mean, and at that point, I had started to really reach out and travel more. And he was like, bro, you need to get away from here. You're too damn good. And that right there, like having having AR Fox, like the superest indie of all indie guys tell me that I was that good that let me know. Um, and, and from that point on, I carried myself different. Um, I stood a little taller when I walked in the locker room. I had more confidence in everything I was doing. And sometimes that's all it, it takes. It takes that one person to say, what are you doing? Why are you not further? What's stopping you to really hit that switch to be like, I don't know. I, I guess I should be there. <laughs> so um, and then, of course, uh, my the the last one I had that it really sticks out in my mind is the AAA match mm. simply because. It's AAA. Um, there were so many, I, and it got me my MLW. If I would not have gone to AAA, I would not have got to wrestle MLW at, at low with low key. I was gonna bring um, that up. The MLW. Yeah. I, I was gonna bring that up. He's another one. Um, so like AAA was fun. I had a big six man tag match there, and then literally two weeks later, I was wrestling on the biggest stage in front of. Uh, there was probably I think two thousand people there, but I was wrestling there for MLW, and I was on. They, they were blasting me all over the internet. They were making it out like it was this big thing, and I didn't know why because I had just re- literally got the information that I was going to be there a week and a half, two weeks before, and they start just blasting this flyer with me and low-key on it, and I'm getting so much like stuff on my phone from social medias blowing me up and people messaging me, and um, it was one of those things where I was like, okay, this is a little weird. Like They're blowing me up. Usually, if they're bringing someone in just to wrestle one of their guys, they don't really blow it up. Like, mm-hmm. it's just one of those, hey, so and so is wrestling so and so, you know? But it, when I got there, they offered me a contract. Like, as soon as I walked in the door, I, I started talking to uh, uh, Court's secondhand man, St. Laurent. And before I even had my match, he came up to me and said, hey, this is what we're offering. This is what we'd like to offer you. 
Um, take a week, think about it, and we'll go from there. I went out, had my match. As soon as I came back, Court was sitting at the gorilla. He looked at me and had he had his headphones on because he was doing stuff for, mm. for the show, of course. But he looked at me and he was like, yes, absolutely. Great job. I'll talk to you in a few. And I was like, okay. Loki came back. And everyone told me like to watch out with Loki, but man, he was the nicest guy to me. Yeah, like, I came back, like nice. he gave me a hug. <laughs> like, hey man, that was awesome, great job. And I was like, oh shit, like this is happening. They're they're really trying to sign me. <laughs> and I, I thought about it because the the contract was awesome to get offered to me, but I have those mentors. I have people that I run things by, and I ran it by Cage. I ran it by Gil Kim. I ran it by Daga. I ran it by DDP. I ran it by the people that I trust the most with my career. And every single one of them was like, do not sign that contract. And if it would have been a lesser term, I would have. But the term is really what got me. It had nothing to do with, with money. It had nothing to do with me just not wanting to be there. But everyone has to realize I started later in my wrestling career. I started at 27. I'm, I just turned 31. Like I don't have four years to give to one company unless yeah. they're like planning on making me a, a mainstay because that's, that's where I want to be. I want to build my career instead of go somewhere and just decline. And I'm not going to sign a four year contract and be out of that contract at 35, 36, and then be planning on trying to go somewhere bigger when they're like, Oh, you're later in your thirties, probably not going to sign you. So it was a it was a judgment call on myself, but it's it one of those things like I'm betting on me, and just because the contract was offered, which it was very very appreciative, and I I still thank them to this day for it because that shows that they were willing enough to put their name on me, and that that's cool to me. But it's just not where I want to be with that amount of time. And MLW Court, if you guys see this, much love. I appreciate everything. It's amazing. It's, it's amazing how, like, I do these podcasts and I have my own ideas. And it's crazy because I know you battled Loki. I knew about that. And I was literally going to tell you this, right? And now I'm not. And I, thank God you spoke first. I was going to say that I went to my first ever MLW show back when it was the Opera Cup. It was this year. It wasn't even that long ago. It was, I believe, okay. somewhere in, like, September or whatever, November around there. And... Looking at your character, seeing, and again, like I now I know you spoke to a lot more people who are in the business longer, and I'm not even in the business. And if I did not know about that, if I didn't even offer you a contract, I, I would have told you literally after you named matches, I'd have been like, you'd have been perfect for MLW. Because being an MLW, you don't get that stars at wrestling companies like WWE and stuff like that. They don't use that potential. Like you have the Von Eriks who are beloved in any country they go to just because of like right. how they are and who they are. And I feel like they get more of the cowboy. They get more of the attitude in that, you know, speck of field. But again, you know, you obviously four years is too long. That's the whole thing that's going around with Brian Pillman right now. He's wrestling for AEW Dark, but he talks about how he's still contracted with MLW, but how he does not want to be because it's there's so much going on right now. There's loopholes in the MLW contract simply because AEW wasn't around when they made the contract. So AEW is not listed on their contract as one that they cannot work for. So since they signed that contract, they can work for AEW mm -hmm. until they re-sign another contract that states that AEW is a TV company they can't work for. So there's there's that loophole. But um, yeah, like I loved MLW, don't get me wrong. And honestly, like looking at the locker rooms, that 
MLW or Impact is somewhere where I'd love to be at because I know almost everybody on the, ML, in the MLW locker room. Mm-hmm. I grew up in, like I started wrestling with the Von Ericks. Like mm-hmm. those are my boys. They've asked me several times, yes, come back. We need you. We want you. Like they wanted me to join in with them. But it's just one of those things where like they don't need me. And, but at the same time, I don't need them either. That's true. Like we're just as good without each other. And I, I would have loved to have to have been in the same rock, locker room with a lot of the guys that I respect and that respect me and know what I'm capable of because that lets me know that I'm going to be able to actually put in my two cents where I want to. Going somewhere else, like maybe an AEW or a WWE or ROH, they're probably going to be like, eh, because I don't know a lot of people on those locker rooms. They're gonna, I don't know what this kid can do. Let's let's make him our own. Impact, I know a lot of people in that locker room too. And, and you know, Cage is putting a good word for me over there, and so they know about me. And Gail Kim is someone that I, I trust a lot with information that I, that I, like, need ran by, and she does that for me, and she's there. So – there's there's different aspects about where I'd love to sign with both of those companies, but it's also because of the talent, and mm-hmm. I want to see where I match up with that talent. It's not necessarily because of the company. Yeah, they've got good names, they've got a good brand, but like, who can I work at those companies that I think would just be money, like people would want to come see? And the top one that comes to my mind is I want to wrestle Chris Bay. I don't care if he's the division champion. I'll go in there and give him his whole run for his money. I promise you. But that dude is just on a level that I want to wrestle at. Like he is somewhere in wrestling that I think I'm at, but I don't have that level or I don't have the audience to show it to like he does. So I know at any point in time that me and Chris Bay get to get in the ring together, like that is going to be magic. That in my head, I see that being another Osprey ricochet kind of thing, but it would be Hopkins and Bay. Um, and I just that that to me, if Impact called me today and said, "Hey, here's the here's the contract. This is what we're offering you. We'd like you to be here next week," my ass would be <laughs> signing real quick because that is somewhere I think I would fit very well in, um, especially to start that type of level in my career. It's even to this day, you know, as I as how long I've been doing this, I've been doing interviews since in March. And even to this day, I still get chills. I still freak out when I hear things. And it's amazing because like, I was trying to keep it in, but I couldn't breathe for like a good second because I had the pleasure of going to Chris Bates, one of Chris Bates' first ever shows back when it was A-Town Beatdown uh, and Impact. And I was talking to him and, and the, the amount of like, great uh, grateful like how how grateful he was for all this how impact how impact show it you know was on itself how much they care about the fans like it felt like an independent scene because they let their wrestlers talk to every fan they it was such an open book such an open company and by far it's it's my favorite company right now to watch in general i think impact wrestling is literally the best product right now with with what they're doing with eddie edwards with moose ec3 uh, and even the finesse division, Chris Bay, like yeah. he was. What do you think about the uh, Impact House, the little reality show? Oh, I love doing. it. I, I freaking, <laughs> I, I love, awesome. I love that they brought Crazy Stephen Rosemary back together, like having conversation. I love the fact that they're bringing past versus present. My, yeah. I never, I, I mean, you didn't know this, but back uh, when I was even a wrestling, I started wrestling uh, 2015. I started being a fan of wrestling in 2015. So for me, it was very, very late notice. 
uh, kids in elementary school would look at me and talk about wrestling, and I'd be that one kid in the corner who had no idea what it is, who John Cena was, and all that. But when I started watching in 2015, the first ever product I ever watched was actually Impact Wrestling. It was against, it was Manic against DJZ, and okay. that was, uh, you know, for the X Division, that was all that. And I'm over here like, oh, cool, I can't wait to see that. My friend buys tickets for WWE. I go, and I was like, so where's Manic? Where's DJZ? And years later, I find out it was a totally different company. Because back then, I didn't yeah. know wrestling was so... Impact was hidden from a lot of people. Like, it wasn't as popular as it is now. And over here, mm -hmm. I'm like, man, if, I, if, if it wasn't for that moment, I would never be as big as a fan I am now in wrestling. Because if I started watching WWE, I would have stopped by, by, by now. Just because of, you know, what they're doing with the roster and, and a lot of that. But... Speaking to Chris Bay, Chris Bay was one of my first ever interviews, and it was he was part of the reason why I started the podcast. Just to hear the stories, the the energy, that the drives that make people go as far as they do. That's the most amazing thing and achieving thing that you can hear. You know, you can watch matches, you can see how it plays out, but you never understand or ever hear the person's thoughts and ideas on what really is and how it really is. That's why it's still amazing. And the fact that you brought up Chris Bay. I would love to see an impact. I would book it myself. I would tweet impact myself just to get you on with the amount of Let's talent. Let's start doing have. it. Yeah, everyone start tweeting. Let's get Chandler Hopkins on Impact Wrestling. It's amazing. Even if it's just for one match, I don't care. I just want to wrestle Chris. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. So as so you know, again, I don't want to hold you for too long. So I'm asking you to follow like a little bit more questions. Who are a few wrestlers that you want to face in the future? And you can't say Chris Bay. We just did a whole thing with that. You got to name me a few wrestlers that you want to wrestle in the future that you have not yet had a chance to. Okay. Um, Eddie Edwards is definitely on on top of my list. Um, he's one guy that I've, I've followed for a long time. So I think he's definitely one of the most technically sound wrestlers. And I think I can learn so much from him. Um, Lance Hoyt's definitely one. So that's going to be awesome because I finally get to make uh, that match happen. Um, so he's another one. Um, let's see who else. Uh, DJ Z has always been on my list just because I think he is just so smooth. And I would, I think we could really, uh, have just a really smooth match. Um, I've never had a one-on-one -on -one with Sammy Guevara and I would love to show the Spanish God just what a Greek God's body looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, let's see here. Uh, Brian Pillman Jr. Uh, he's another one that I would like to get in the ring with, uh, just to kind of see what I know and what I can do with him because he's he's been wrestling about the same time as I have, but he's also been in the business since he was a kid. So he's got a lot more knowledge that I would, I would love to just kind of pick his brain on. Um, Jeff Cobb, just simply because the guy's a beast and le legit, like strong as, an, as a freaking bull. <laughs> and I would love, it's going to sound weird saying this, but I'd love to find out just how strong he is and be thrown around a little bit just so I can be like, okay, yeah, that dude's really strong. <laughs> um, and then I would say probably for my for the last one, like Kenny Omega's always been like one that I I would love to just even step in the ring with. I've met him a couple times and he's he's a very genuine guy or he has been to me anyways. Um and I think just the aura and the presence that he carries, especially when he's wrestling, like that in itself is a whole new energy I don't believe that I've ever been on. And I think actually having that match stepping through the ropes right at the beginning when it's fixing to happen like that that, that would be something that i would just shit myself <laughs> literally, literally like <laughs> that guy is he is so unbelievably good and 
Um, I'm glad AEW is kind of getting him back towards uh, the cleaner. Uh, I, I loved the cleaner. I thought the cleaner was literally like just one of the most vicious wrestlers there was. Like there was no Fs given. He didn't care. He was kicking your ass every time whether he was winning or losing and you were going to feel it. And I like that type of wrestling. I like to feel the wrestling. Like I think that's why most of us do it is because we enjoy pain a little bit, but there's also somewhat of an adrenaline. And as you know, you said you bit, you wrestled before there's an adrenaline. Once you're in that ring, like the second you come through that curtain, the adrenaline is going. And the second you get in the ring, it amplifies and there's just no better feeling than that. Um, it, it literally is like a drug and you just, it, it's, it's addicting. And I, I literally can't see myself not wrestling, but I know one day it's going to come. Um, but until then, like, I'm just going to, I'm going to ride it till the wheels come off. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to, I'm going to take in every little moment that I have. I'm going to appreciate the things that I get to see and do and the people that I get to be around and, and, you know, I'm, I'm going to just enjoy what I have right now and live in the present um, and not really think about too much of the future because I, I, I feel and I know that the future is going to be awesome for me in wrestling. But that doesn't mean that, like, the work is done. That doesn't mean I get to start slacking off. That doesn't mean um, that I get to slow down a little bit. Like, that just means I have to work harder because um, more eyes are on me now. Um and I think that's a, a common misconception with a lot of people in wrestling. They have these goals. They have these lists of people they want to work and wrestle. But they don't understand, like, once you start getting to that level to work those guys and get to the place you want to go, like, there's 10 times more eyes on you. And the second you start slowing down, people are going to start dropping off of the, of the bandwagon that you're on. Like, they're not going to be so hype on that person anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's a constant struggle to keep going. But it's also something that I thrive in because I thrive under pressure. Um, I've always felt like I've had the weight of the world on my shoulders because, you know, I was, I was raised by a single mom. So I had to help out a lot growing up. Um, and trust me, mom busted her ass. She had two and three jobs at times, but even then sometimes that wasn't enough. So out washing cars, hustling, selling candy bars that I'd go get from the store for 50 cents, I'd hustle them, sell them for a dollar, uh, washing people's cars, mowing their lawns. Like it was always a hustle and a grind. And I've, tried to continue that even in the wrestling business and show that work ethic. Um, and I, I think it's starting to pay off and I, I'm really happy with where things are going, uh, in my career. Now, if we can just get wrestling to come back full time after all this virus and stuff, um, I, I think the sky's the limit and, uh, I, I'm here for it. I'm ready. Awesome. I love it. Let's end it right there. I love ending it off such an amazing speech too. Like that's, I was trying to find the perfect spot. So where can people find you on all platforms of social media? Where can people find your merch, Twitch, anything that you are part of? Everything, and I keep it very simple. <laughs> Everything, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Snapchat, all of them. The Young Gun underscore CH. You can find me on all those platforms there. Uh, if you want to support me and buy my merch, I have a Pro Wrestling Tea store. You can go to ProWrestlingTees.com and then search up Chandler Hopkins. Or you can message me on any of those social media platforms. Uh, if you do message me on social media platforms, I have more shirt options to choose from. Um, if you go to the Pro Wrestling Tees, there's only two up there. So just depending on what you'd like, I have plenty of options. So Awesome. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you guys next time.
All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that video. I'll see you guys in the next one. If you haven't done so, please like, comment, subscribe, and follow me and Shonda Hopkins on our, you know, social media. Everything's in the bottom below. Our Instagrams, our Twitters, everything. Go follow us. Go tweet us. Go do anything. I appreciate any comment or feedback. If it's through Twitter, through Instagram, or even underneath the comment board, I look at everything. I, I learn and, and I try to do everything that you guys want me to do and even do better at. I'll see you guys in the next one. There are so many big interviews coming up. I have been saying that and I have been, you know, giving it. You had Colt Cabana a couple weeks ago. Then you had Dion Russman a couple days ago. And now you have the young gun, Chandler Hopkins. And there's gonna be so many more coming up. I have some really fun ones for Friday nights because it, it ties down to something else that happens on Friday nights. I'll see you guys next time.